You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to be back after a brief hiatus, but season two is kicking back into gear with a guest that I'm so excited for you all to hear from. My guest today is David Yaroveski, and he is the director of Brightburn, starring Elizabeth Banks, and uh, coming to theaters here in the U.S. on May 24th. Um, I think the movie is out in some other countries around the world currently, but but it is coming out in the U.S. Memorial Day weekend. And um, Dave and I have known each other for for a while now. Um, When I was working for Nerdist, Dave's first feature, The Hive, was actually released through Nerdist. Um, And so Dave and I got to know each other doing doing press for this movie. Um, I moderated a bunch of panels about the movie, and we did some on-camera interviews and and a lot of other things. And um, he mentions that in this conversation, that that was his first time doing anything like that. And I certainly was grateful for the opportunity to work with him and to to cover that movie. And um, now here we are a couple of years later and this big, scary uh, Superman-esque movie is coming to theaters. I still haven't seen it yet, but I'm very, very excited to check it out. And, um, and Dave picked 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I was really glad that he did, actually, because I knew it was going to be a really cool, informative um, in-depth look at this movie. And it was a movie that I had never seen before. Um, so it was really cool to dive in and to experience this movie, which Dave, I think very appropriately calls a meal of a movie. It's a big one. And, um, you know, even though it has has gained um, iconic status over time, it certainly was met with mixed reviews when it first came out. And you know, I remember even my mom telling me that she she I remember her saying, "Oh, I saw that in the theater. I just didn't get it." And my mom loves science fiction, so you know, I, this is a movie that has been met with mixed reviews for the entire time it has been released. Um, but that said, I think it's undeniable that it's not a, a true classic. And um, and this conversation that I had with Dave, I, I was excited to talk about him or talk with him about this movie because I knew I would get insight um, as a director um, or as Dave being a director into, you know, his impressions and his experience of this movie over time. And um, I think you're going to hear some really entertaining stuff, but also some very interesting and cool analysis from a director's perspective. Um, so here we go. I, I'm really excited to be back once again. Thank you guys for sticking with the show. There's lots more to come in the next few weeks. But today, please enjoy my conversation with Brightburn director Dave Yaroveski talking about 2001 A Space Odyssey. <music> Uh, 
Um, oh, you know what's funny though? Well, this is this can be part of it. I need to start talking into my microphone. <laughs> um, what's funny is that. So, how are you? I, I've been curious. How are you credited on this movie? Because everyone calls you Yarvo. Yeah. And I met you in a professional setting, so I call you Dave. Yes. And so, how are you credited when it's director time? Well, it's funny, right? Because like, what happened was, um, for a long time, no one knew who the hell I was, and and some like 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 my friends have always called me Yarvo. Uh, it's a like old nickname of mine, and and people. Uh, caught on with that, so I would I would eat like I would meet someone and I'd follow up with them and I'd go hi this is Dave Yarvesky it was great meeting you and no response and then I'd be like this is Yarvo and they're like Yarvo <laughs> How's it going? yeah exactly <laughs> but but I didn't want to like and, and 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 doing some music videos I credited myself as Yarvo mm-hmm. because people seem to connect me to that name so I just sort of owned it and went with it but but I didn't want to be a director who like I, I didn't want to be like Madonna right or, you know not, not, nothing wrong with that but it's like directors I don't know it's a little it's a little totally. weird for me to to just be that so so I realized that upon the release of this movie I will have probably more eyes on my name and on on who I am or introductions into me than ever before. Right. And it will kind of be the big sweeping decision that if I just commit to Yarvo that I would just be Yarvo forever basically. Right. Or if I committed to just my full name, um, I would be that. And so I, I went with my full name because, um, because it, 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 uh, it doesn't, you know, I, I came up as a, I mean, I could talk about this for a while because sure. I went back and forth on it, but, but I came up as a music video director mm-hmm. and um, there's a stigma attached to music video directors because there's a skill you develop as a music video director where you put the aesthetic before sure this yeah yeah you know and 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 the images feel like the thing they're supposed to feel but the sequence doesn't mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 beats don't play and so I, I you know I really was on a on a mission and making this movie to tell a story and to sort of unlearn a lot of the um, mm. the the music video mm-hmm. things um, and and to to tell a different story, even a different even a different style of filming than I did on the Hive, where you can see there's all you know. Right. We had no money on that movie, so uh, so. Uh, um, I had to kind of lean into style. Sure, sure. <laughs> that to, means, yeah. You know, I had to lean real heavily on that. Um, um, but yeah, so I, I wanted to kind of shed all of that. And so in doing that, I, I just went to, with my name. Yeah. I'm happy I did. It, and now when I look at my like Instagram and I see that it's just my full name, it's, I don't know. I feel like maybe a little bit more of an adult or something. Yeah, and I think too, you know, like um, this is not the same thing at all. But I, uh, I recently had LASIK surgery, and getting rid of my glasses was a big decision. Right. You know, because like when I first started out, especially in the nerdist space, the geek culture space, part of the identity, part of the look was I wore glasses, I had red hair, like the whole deal. And that felt very me, like I never felt inauthentic in any right. way, but committing to, okay, like it's time and, <laughs> and I feel okay about this. And also for safety reasons, like God forbid there was an earthquake and my glasses broke, mm. I would be actually fucked. Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? I, but so it's not the same thing, but when you commit to something like that, you're like, okay, this is my next chapter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and this does feel like a new chapter for me, and and it probably feels like a new chapter for you too. <laughs> yeah, a little uh, bit. Just in terms of like, I mean, anytime you do that, you're like, okay, I'm gonna get rid of my glasses. I'm gonna go in this like like you're kind of reinventing yourself. Yep. But the problem, you know, I, I feel like people don't reinvent themselves enough. Like people get kind of like locked in their role and they don't challenge themselves to like break that mold. And, um, you know, so it's kudos to you. It's not easy. Yeah, no, it's not. And to you as well. And yeah. it's like, I think especially in our business, you know, whether you're in front of the camera, behind the camera, whatever it is, like there is a lot of pressure to play it safe. There's a lot of pressure to stay in your lane, mm, yeah. you know, and um, and do as much as you can within that lane. Mm. Um, and so I, I get it. Like I do on some on some level understand, you know, not wanting to break out of that. Yeah. Um, but at the other hand, I feel like it's human. I would hope that as a human being, you know, every so often, every couple of years, you do find yourself going, maybe I am a little different than I was however long ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I sure was. <laughs> I sure as hell am. <laughs> I, I am so like excited because I, uh, you know, for our audience who doesn't know, with The Hive, which was released by Nerdist, um, I was, you know, sort of their go-to horror correspondent at the time. And so um, that was something that I was very involved in, in terms of the coverage of it. And that's how you and I met. Yeah, we spent a lot of time together yes. doing interviews and panel discussions and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Comic-Con and... Yeah premieres. That was my first experience with any of that. Yeah. Literally, like, any of that. It's... It's thrown in. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Good times. Oh, the memories. The memories. But now here we are. But I do have to say, in a in a bit of a, like, you know, kind of gushy way, I, I'm so... When I saw the trailer for this, and I... The, the first look last summer, and I was just like, oh, my God. This is so exciting. Especially, too, because, like, you know... Yeah, they're getting to be a part of that experience with you was yeah. so exciting and so lovely. And and you could tell by the people that were not only involved with the film, but around you that they're so proud of you and they love you so much. And so it was like really, I was like, oh, this is such a cool experience. And then seeing the next thing and on to, honestly, and I wouldn't say this if I didn't feel this way, watching the first looks and watching the teasers and being like, yes, this <laughs> looks so great. I can't wait for this. That's cool. Yeah. So thanks. It's yeah. Yeah. No. I listen. I'm fortunate. I have like really good people around me, and they they seem to like me. So uh, so so I feel fortunate. But it all it also comes with a certain amount of pressure because, you know, if you're just a total sociopath, <laughs> and you don't really like the people around you, you know, you feel no uh, attachment to them. But I feel like a uh, you know. People are counting on me to do something. I don't know. I feel like a, a, a responsibility to, to uh, uh, I don't know, uh, live up to what they see for me or something. I don't know. But but it, it it's good. It's all it's all a positive thing. Um, but but yeah, no, I'm 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 fortunate that not only people in the movie are really great people, but also the people in my immediate orbit are yeah. pretty good people. It's awesome. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, okay, speaking of orbit, wow, what a great speaking transition. 
Um, so we, I love that you, okay, so you picked 2001, uh, which I love because as we were talking about before we started recording, I had never seen this movie before. This was one of my like gaps in my, uh, in my movie watching, you know, experience. And when you suggested it, I was like, yes, yes, this is great. I want to talk about this with you. And, um, it's a big meal. It like is. there's a reason that's a movie that a lot of people it's a gap in a lot of people is because it's it's it it's it's a slow mover. Yes. And it's a big meal. You see it's like two and a half hours. And whenever you talk to people about the movie, they're like, Oh yeah, that one takes its time. <laughs> <laughs> and so whenever you hear those words, you're like, Oh fuck. Uh, oh, can I curse? Yes, yes, you yes can. I can curse. Okay, you're good. Can. You're like, oh, it's a it's a um it's going to be a, a, a mountain to, you know, or you think, you know, that there's a big barrier of entry to get into this. Yes. Yeah. It's um so, okay, I want to start by asking, because I will tell you uh, straight up, right off the bat, I'm not a Kubrick fan. Mm. Um, doesn't mean that I can't appreciate choices that he makes. Yes. But I find him very cold. Yes. And I find him very, um, like, uh, I find him very distant yes. um, and impersonal to yes. me. Um, that said... Space, also cold. Cold and distant and distant and impersonal. And impersonal. Uh, listen, uh, uh, totally fair critique of like the first hour of 2001 mm-hmm. is incredibly cold and distant. You don't even have a, you don't meet the, the lead of the film, the person who's going to take you through this mm-hmm. adventure, right? Um, and so it is cold and distant and the camera, it, like you're not in anyone's POV. Mm-hmm. So... You're, you're, you know, I feel that intensely. And I get what, like, you know, Kubrick is totally, like, I, I grew up loving Kubrick, but mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be a director. And so, and so the, the, the thing that people, I think, love about Kubrick, or at least that I do, is that, like, there's a guy who has, like, an incredibly unique vision. There's nothing else like it. And, and he, he executes it. Like, you know, he, he. You know, you know what you're getting into when you go to see a Kubrick movie, right? Like it's 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 this thing, right? It's going to be this weird, um, uh, it, it, this uh, dreamlike thing that you're going to go through, you know. And it's certainly not for everyone, and it's certainly not. You know, but but it, it feels so filmmaker centric. Yes, you know. It, yes, because actually, I was thinking about that. You know, if you know anything about, especially this time period of filmmaking and the the stable of guys who were making movies at that time, you know that you know Kubrick and Steven Spielberg were very close. Mm. And I would argue that sometimes Spielberg's, even at his best, is overly um, personal and connect. You know, it's it's a little sappy yeah. at some points. Totally. So it's like this polar opposite guys coming together uh, and being best friends or whatever the narrative is. But I bring that up because as I was thinking about this now, and granted, by the way, your art is your art and your friendships are your friendships and that and your aesthetic and all of that. Like that's not to say that they're, you know, connected and in uh, they have to be connected to one's personality. But exactly what you just said, I was thinking, oh, but wait a second, this is a director's director. Like, these are guys who are seeing, it doesn't matter if their stuff is completely, like De Palma's another one, De Palma and Spielberg being so close, or De Palma and Lucas being so close. Like, that's something that just, like, at first I was like, wait, what? But they respect and admire each other's craft. And so you saying, 
that you wanted to be a director and you connected, I was like, ah, that's what I assumed. Um, not just for you, but kind of in general, if that yeah. makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. It, you know, it's it's really like, you know, th- most movies you watch will be, you know, 90% down the line just a straight arrow down down the line and then the director will put their 5 or 10% on it you know mm-hmm. at, you know 50% of the movie will be you know an over the shoulder to an over the shoulder mm-hmm. you'll have a master level you know but it'll yes. be really standard filmmaking all the way through you know and then and then every once in a while you'll have a filmmaker who will come along and break that mold and listen it isn't easy because it's not only not easy because the, the Telling the story in that way requires like like just just the, the actual accomplishment of making it interesting to, mm-hmm. to, to you know or 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 making it work mm-hmm. uh, is difficult right just the actual physical filmmaking thing but then there's a there's the practical political side of it in which you need to convince people to give you money to 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 break the mold you know these guys are putting money in to make to make to, to make money on these movies and they're like well you know hey there's all these other space movies and and they're over 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 you know uh you know master close up like what why why are we doing everything in long wides why is you know like why is it moving at this pace why is there musical numbers how come it's silent you know in in other movies you hear spaceships right. you know like like why are we doing it that way and 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 so the actual political job of of selling that to people to to getting those ideas through the machine uh, is another uphill battle, you know. And so so there's just multiple uphill battles, and then there's also like like having ideas that are worth both of those things: the mm-hmm. technical challenge of achieving it, and also the political challenge of of being allowed to achieve it. Having an idea worthy of it because. You know, um, it's it's uh, it, it's no it's just no easy task, anyways. And so, so I respect it. When I see it, I I respect it. And 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 it's something that for me, as a, as a young kid, just inspired the hell out of me. I'd watch those movies and I'd be like, I want to do that. Yeah, well, that's that's the question that I have is because I I cannot imagine um, watching this movie as a young kid and being enthralled, or or at least enthralled enthralled is a big word, but. Um, sustainable like as a child so when you first saw this movie like what was the context you know I don't remember because I've seen it I've seen it enough times now that I I, I don't totally remember the context I mean I I think I was I think um, the first movie I had seen from Kubrick was A Clockwork Orange and Mm -hmm. I watched it like a hundred times I thought it was the coolest movie ever Uh then I read the book a couple times then I watched the movie a couple more times like I just thought it was the best thing ever and so people start talking about uh, Kubrick and how great he is. And so I start watching his other movies and realize that it's not this movie that I love. It's this entire uh-huh. style of filmmaking. And listen, the funny thing is, you know, we started this conversation about me talking about abandoning the things yeah. that drive you as a music video director. And so much of those skills are actually the things that make Stanley Kubrick's work interesting, yes. right? Like the the Corova Milk Bar in... Clockwork Orange uh, is as stylish of a shoot yeah. as anything could possibly be, yep. and it, his work is pretty highly stylized. But, but, um, but he uh, uh, truly does uh, lean into the favor of of the beats first. 
he, he tells the story first and then and then adds style after. So so he gets away with it. But but either way, uh, the the point I'm trying to make is that uh, that you know I went on then a Kubrick binge. I believe uh, uh, is probably the first time I saw it. I saw that. Um, I saw. I mean, I saw. I watched everything. But the ones that really stood out to me were 2001, which I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love. Um, 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 Doctor Strangelove, mm-hmm. which might be my favorite of all of his movies, mm-hmm. which is weird because it's not at all like any of his other movies, but I just really like the movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously The Shining, and um, um, I am actually a big Eyes Wide Shut fan. Uh-huh. That one's gaining a lot of favor as yeah. years go by, which seems to be the yeah. Stanley Kubrick way. Yes. In yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because like you kind of need space from it to totally appreciate what it is because you always have these expectations of what a movie's going to be, mm-hmm. especially with that marketing campaign. It's like, oh, this is going to be so racy and so like NC-17, so sexy and so, you know, uh, and then and then you watch it and it it the, that isn't what the movie is. Mm-hmm. The movie is, you know, is something else. But but in regards to this movie, like, like you know, I, I I grew up loving Star Wars. I grew up loving space. I grew up loving sci-fi. But this, but but this movie, like at its core, was something so different mm-hmm. because it's uh, like Aliens. Like it, you know, like you look at a movie like Aliens, and you look at a movie like this, which this movie is so much more um, avant-garde mm-hmm. and like and like it's so strange and scary and yeah. weird um um and it, it 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 might be it might be the most ambitious movie ever made i think it might be the most ambitious ever movie ever made and i think it might be the most confident movie ever yes. made yes <laughs> yes that is a yes i think that is a great assessment <laughs> like uh it starts with 5 minutes of just black screen and music yes to where I thought my TV yeah. was not working. Yeah, I was confused. That's how confident they were. Yeah. it was just like you are about to, and then it, <laughs> and then it goes straight to the dawn of man. The, you know, it's just it just there's so much confidence in the movie. Like, like people don't appreciate. Like, I have a unique position because I've, I, you know, I've, I've directed two movies mm-hmm. now, and so I've I, I understand what it means to sit there and go, hey, hey. We're gonna do this big action set piece where he's gonna go out and he's gonna swap out this thing. He's gonna swap out this unit, this defective unit on the side of the ship, and it's gonna be silent out there. Mm-hmm. Like space, we're gonna do space silent, and you know people are going. What do you mean? Like you're not gonna hear. You're not gonna hear the things. You're not gonna. It's, it's, you're not gonna hear the engines and the explosions and the whooshing and mm-hmm. no silent. Mm-hmm. Space is silent. It's just gonna be this empty silent mass this abyss of just nothingness and and that is such a a a, a, a commitment the influence too that i've so this being my first time seeing this movie mm. the i i was like wow i mean this changed everything mm. even even if it didn't know it was changing everything at the time. Mm. I felt like the way that, you know, um, this sounds silly, but men's clothing 
always gives away for me the time period. Mm. Men's suits. Especially the short shorts. Yeah, yeah, the short shorts, yes. But I will say it's, <laughs> and it could be just the time we live in where, you know, um, everything is coming back around again. But I felt like so much of this movie f was timeless. Mm. Um, and and I was doing, I, I you know, when I do this podcast, I don't like to do a ton of research because it's not a history lesson. But I was reading after the fact that um, hotels started emulating the design from 2001, like mm. in the late 60s, early 70s, yeah. and and you can see it. And just go to go to Palm Springs. You know what I yes. mean? It's there. It's yeah. still there. And that to me is so remarkable. Rufus. Rufus and don't. I are hanging out. <laughs> Sorry if you don't want him getting no, up no, in no, your no, biz. No, 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 no. Me and Rufus are good. Okay, good. Yeah, Rufus, um, you can climb on me all you want. Okay, but yeah, the you can you can see the influence, and not only in visual design, but also in um, science fiction after this. Yeah, like it's it's remarkable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the uh, I love the aesthetic of of this movie maybe more than any maybe more than any movie ever like just just like i i have pitched many times many music videos in my past i've pitched many sci-fi movies where i would just like to return to like this aesthetic which 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 you you would say like retro futurism mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like what people thought spaceships would be like um, I, I like that is just a world I want to explore so badly. Um, uh, I, I I love it so much. It, um, uh, Alien made a game called Alien Isolation where they yes. like where they yeah you're familiar with it but they, they but they 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 explored that a bit uh, where they kind of like rebuilt um, the original ship from Alien which has a similar mm -hmm. kind of like retro future um, aesthetic and. Uh, there's a, there, I'm sure you guys hear a, a garbage truck out there. I mean, usually I'm like, okay, first of all, it's not garbage day, so I don't know what the hell is going on out there. But second of all, maybe. usually, okay, I'm going to shut the window. Okay. We don't I, have to take it back. This is how I choose to do my podcast, but... <laughs> you know, because I, I think people enjoy, this is the Mark Maron way, which I, which is the way that taught me, uh, which is just like, leave it in. This yeah. is, this is a conversation. Uh, but sometimes it gets ridiculous. Anyway. I hear that. Um, it's okay. The, that's the best we're going to do. So, um, but anyway, so Alien and the, yeah, uh, yeah. the no, so it's the Nostromo, right? Yeah. In yeah, the, they rebuild it. But then, it, it, so there's aspects of it that are just completely reconstructed. Uh, like from the movie, and then they obviously there's way more space in that game than there was in the in the um, movie, so they take liberties and just make things that are of that look. Yes, and it, it's it's so awesome. I love it. So I want to ask you what you think about uh, the best way to view this movie, mm. because I you know have a pretty big TV and got to and got to watch it on my couch and. Um, did you watch the 4K? No. So no. Mm. No, mm. I didn't. I don't actually have a 4K player. Mm. I don't think. Can you watch 4K on just a Blu-ray? Uh, well, there are there are 4K Blu-rays. Blu Blu-rays. Got it. Clearly, this is how much I know about all of this. But my question is, you know, um, what size uh, is your TV? Uh, like a 40 something inches, maybe. Uh, a a a a a guy. Panavision once told me that you your the, the pixel density at at um at at 
anything under 50 or 55 uh -huh. inches is, is too, you wouldn't see the difference between 4K. Uh, and and 1080. I figured as much. Um, so that's but that's actually good to sort of have confirmed. Um, so but you would see the difference in terms of the the new 4K panels have a wider color gamma and better blacks. And okay. Whatever we can talk. That's no, a, that's way in the weeds. That's but. good though. So my question though, aside from like the technology, um, I I was actually very glad that I could watch this movie uh, at home. Because I felt like in a theater, and, and in some of the reading I did after the fact, you know, the criticism of the movie is, you know, we said it before we started rolling, it, it's a big meal, it's a big mm. movie, and it is it is slow, and it is confident, and it is, um, you know, makes choices. Yeah. Um, but I could imagine being in the theater and getting uncomfortable, getting oh, yeah. a little antsy, you know, and it taking me out, whereas watching it at home allowed me to you know, take a second if I needed to. Yeah. Um, and, and I actually quite liked, I mean, I really liked this experience, yeah. but I'm curious if you have thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I you know, after, um, after I, I watched the movie, I, I jumped on, uh, Overwatch and, and I was talking about the movie with my friends while we were playing and, and, you know, they, they were, I, I, I know it just recently played like in 70 millimeter, mm. a bunch of places. I didn't get to see it because I was, this movie took up my entire life. I didn't get to do see anything really over the last two years. Um, but, but, um, uh, but I wanted to see it. But they claimed that watching it in seventy millimeter in a theater really like like felt like an experience that 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 a lot of the like sort of more hypnotic and colorful mm -hmm. parts uh, affect you differently in a theater. I could definitely see that being the case, especially if you were in like really huge theater mm -hmm. or but at the same time you know it, 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 I, th there's parts of the movie that I could see being very groundbreaking at the time mm -hmm. but now are the kind of things that you can do on your iPhone you, you know what I mean mm -hmm. in terms of like like there's a lot of shots of hills where just the colors tweaked you know at the mm -hmm. end of the movie and and there's it's just very long there's just you know there's a very in, in, in that, like, Jupiter and the in infinite, the top of that chapter is just, you know, you're looking at hills, you know, color color shifted hills for, like, a long time. And, and, and so, yes, I, I actually agree with you. I, I, to, my, I, I have a anxiety about seeing movies in theaters, especially movies that um, that people describe as long or slow because mm -hmm. I've, I've been caught in very boring movies before. We all have, but... I get really bored and really antsy really easy. Like I respond to bored. Bored. Boring is the worst thing I think a movie could be. Mm -hmm. um, movie can be bad, but I can still like it. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be a lot of things, but I can still n enjoy the process of watching it and not liking it. You know, but but to to see a boring movie is painful to mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And so and so, I'm not saying this movie is boring, but I am saying that. There are very there are a couple parts that play slow in 2019. Sure. Um, sure. And so yeah, I'm I'm glad that I was able to be in an environment where I could check my phone every once in a while right. and 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 kind of like take a minute. <laughs> and also let it sort of sink in what you're watching mm -hmm. because uh, I I watched this movie in 
not pieces. I, I watched the Dawn of Man segment first, yeah. and um, and then finished it separately. Um, and I didn't do that on purpose. It just was the timing of being able to sit down and watch it. Um, but that said, the experience of the Dawn of Man segment was a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at first, I was like, at, I will. The, my honest reaction was, you know, oh my god. What is happening? Yeah. What? What am I watching? What am I watching? Yeah. This is. It, I, do I feel like this is pretentious? Ugh, Kubrick. It is. It but, is pretentious. But, but, but that not. I don't mean that in a negative way. Right. It's, but it is pretentious. It's but then, insanely ambitious. It, it is insanely ambitious. And then over the course of the experience, I was like, oh shit, this is making me really uncomfortable. This yeah. is very unsettling. Yeah. This is intense. Yeah. This is scaring me. Yeah. Mm, now I'm out of it again. Yeah. Now I'm back in. What just happened? And getting to process that in real time, but also later, and then coming back to it was really, I think it made me like it more. Yeah. And so right now we're in this way of storytelling. Like, yes, you know, Avengers Endgame has a has a three-hour runtime. I still haven't seen it, so don't ruin it I'm for not me. going to. <laughs> that, uh, by the way. That's how little movies I've been able to see. In the pro- that's how little time I've had. But anyways, go it, on. It does. It takes over your... I, I know. I know. That's crazy. But, yeah. um, but, you know, like, my point is that it, it, people showed up, yeah. right? People showed up and they sat down. But also, when I, you know, there we we have such prestige television right now. Mm. Episode, Game of Thrones happening concurrently mm. is so interesting to me because this is long form storytelling yeah. um, that is dealing with big ideas. That sometimes you do have to process, and we're seeing it more frequently on television. And yet, we have three hour you know, Avengers Endgame where people were are sitting through that too. So I just bring it up because there were moments where I thought to myself, you know, could this, I understand that Stanley Kubrick probably was like, this is a film. This is intended to be watched, you know, right. like, a, like a cinematic film experience. But I kind of found myself going, yeah, but what if it was a miniseries? What if this was like a, a, the, the chapters were truly chapters, you know, and you could kind of separate it and then come back to it. And Yeah. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, it's hard to remove this movie from the period in which it was created, right? Yes, absolutely. Like, you think about, like, a guy like Jodorowsky or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, it, it's totally the ultimate version of that where where you have this auteur filmmaker being like, I'm going to tell this epic story and <laughs> yeah. it's going to start at the dawn of man and it's going <laughs> to end in some, like, alternate super dimension of time in an observe alien observatory like it's just gonna span the entire length it, it literally it starts at like the universe's creation and ends at infinity right and and then and then like 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 and the music is gonna be this like symphony and and like like it, it couldn't be more of that right? right and and there's something about the movie that like like I, I agree with everything that you're saying, and that and that totally is uh, of this time. Right. But but like but to look at the movie through that lens of like like at a time when people looked at movies as a sophisticated form of art, and you have this guy who has <laughs> people have entrusted with a lot of money saying, "I'm gonna I'm just gonna take a swing, and I'm gonna tell the most important story in the entire creation right. of man." <laughs> 
uh, and 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 then and then might have I don't know, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, um, but but like but you just have to admire the 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 swing he mm-hmm. took, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like what? It's it's such a wild um, swing, you know? And and like you know, I, I'm a guy who's seen the movie many times. I don't totally understand every aspect of the movie. Right. I don't know who does. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if he did, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, he's, he, Which is okay. Yeah, well, he, you know, he's into, um, there's, there's, um, when I, I understand, when he talks, he talks about things sometimes that I, I uniquely understand because, um, I speak in a visual language mm-hmm. through storytelling and, and there are times when I understand something, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you a couple things. I understand why they work together, why the sequence makes emotional sense to a viewer, why mm-hmm. they can watch it, and I can make them feel a certain way. But if I were to say it out loud, you would be like, "That's stupid," mm-hmm. right? But if I were to show it to you, you'd be like, "Oh, that was unsettling and powerful," right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, he often talks about that. Like I, I read after I watched the movie, I was like, I wanted to see what he said about it, and he talked about. He said something kind of like that, like that he, you know, when he was describing the end of the movie, he started describing it as like an alien observatory and, you know, he, he's sort of outside of time and all this stuff. And, but it's, it's true. Like if, if, like if you were to just take, uh, take that and, and what he said about it and, and take it in the most literal mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. um, then yes, that would be uh, weird. It mm-hmm. wouldn't be that exciting. But th- but it, that's not what it is, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I could talk for a long time about this, and we probably shouldn't because we just talked about two thousand one. But <laughs> but we're, we're we're arguably in an era that is very writer centric, uh-huh. and it's very um, uh, like logic centric. Like each beat is like a. Uh, uh, like pe- people think about each beat in terms of like in the real world, how would this happen? What would happen next? How would this happen? And that's from a time where it was very director centric and it was like, how do you feel? Like like um, in the same way that uh, David Lynch will make something and you know, uh, the, the, this new like writer centric brain would be like, wait, so, so there's just this like door out there mm-hmm. that you walk th- like you know it's just very analytical about mm-hmm. the realities but when you watch a David Lynch movie you you you, f- you you feel it it feels like a dream you understand it like you understand your dreams mm-hmm. like and and so um yeah anyway so you're just looking at just two different times in movie culture I was really surprised uh, at how much of annihilation I found mm. in this mo- or I saw in this movie um, I have you did you have time to see annihilation uh, yeah I saw okay annihilation. and it was interesting because exactly what you're talking about you know and and to be fair I think that's a movie that tries to do both it tries to have logic but also ask big philosophical questions and mm. you have to kind of connect the dots yes. whether or not um, he was successful is up to the viewer I quite like annihilation but I like all of all of his work Um, so but that said my boyfriend had real trouble with uh, Annihilation like he's like it doesn't it could not line up for him yeah and and I and I was just like yeah but it's a choice like meaning he made Garland made this choice yeah and that's you cannot like it or you can like it but 
you know, he's just doing what he's going to do. And, and I get how some viewers would be like, I don't, what's happening? Yeah. Um, I need to know what is happening. Why? Right. What, like, who, who is that other person? Is that, is that other her? Where did that come from? Like, like, right. Like every director or every filmmaker has had the experience. They sit in a room with a producer and they're like, okay, so we need rules. What are the rules of this thing? How does it work? How does it function? How does it this and that? Right. That is the rule centric writer mind era that mm. we're in, right? Where everything is, and, and listen, there's nothing, I, I, I'm not, I, I think there's a lot of value to that. Absolutely. And, but, but I, but I am saying that, that, that movie, that, or at least very much the end of that movie mm-hmm. and 2001 and the shining mm-hmm. and, you know, and everything David Lynch has done, mm-hmm. they're all cousins of each other because they, 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 they speak a visual language and they, they adhere to something deeper within us in which we understand how we're supposed to feel about something as we watch it and and not necessarily because of the uh because of the 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 beats or mm-hmm. be, you know because mm-hmm. you, you know what i mean um um uh, to me i always respond incredibly positively to those things because uh, i I'm, I'm a sucker for cinema so like if 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 like the right music starts playing and someone looks really sad at something <laughs> else, like it affects me, yeah. you know? Um, um, so, so my emotions can be very manipulated by movies and, and, and so, and so I respond very well to that. I, I know people who are very kind of analytical about things. The second things become illogical or, or don't make sense to them, they just turn off. They're like, mm-hmm. forget this movie, mm-hmm. fuck this movie. You know? <laughs> To me, to me, I thought it was bold. I thought the ending was cool yeah. and weird and different. I don't know how he managed to convince people. Again, <laughs> how he managed to convince people to, to let him end the movie in the, in the way that he did. But it's cool that yeah. he did. Yeah. I'm happy that movie exists, you know? Same. Same. Um, yeah, I, I, I do as well. Um, I, I, by the way, I made some notes. I made something a note of something interesting great. to bring up that Please. I noticed about... 2001 that I'd never noticed before. Okay. Kubrick's a dude who loves ceilings. Mm-hmm. He likes wide lenses and he likes ceilings. Fincher's a guy who likes ceilings. There's a lot, a lot of guys that you like who like to show ceilings. Okay. The problem with showing ceilings is that's where all the lights typically are on one of these conventional over-over wide master movies, right? Uh-huh. So how do you, how do you show ceilings? So the interesting, his interesting way to do it, which I love, is... That he he incorporates uh, lighting into the set. So so if you watch the movie with that understanding, and you notice oftentimes either the entire floor will be an illuminated floor, mm-hmm. or the entire mm-hmm. ceiling will be an illuminated ceiling, or a an entire wall mm-hmm. will be just panels of lights. That he incorporates the light into the into the scene, and so you could just turn on the lights and start shooting. Yeah. It also probably saved him a lot of time. You know, like, like, hey, we're going to do this really avant-garde weird thing in this room. You know, could have taken weeks to shoot. Uh, but, hey, the whole floor will just be light. I, I can shoot it in a day and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how long it took him to shoot it. Sure. But I understand the practical reality of that, you know. Yeah. I, play, I played with that a little. But, um, uh, and I think everyone figures it out their own way. I don't know how Fincher does. I feel like Fincher, like, just, like. Hides like like integrates natural integrates light and then like hides light and probably paints lights mm-hmm. out and stuff. Um, but but yeah, just watching it 
like like it became watching it with this knowledge I have in my mind now of having made movies and and just the 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 technical process I started to really smile at how clever mm-hmm. he was with the the practical lighting yeah you know yeah that was interesting that is interesting I my mind when you said Fincher does it, it my mind immediately went to Zodiac and the new and the newsroom you know yeah. like those wide big wide shots and I can see all the desks and I could see and I was like I never noticed I mean that's actually like a great I never yeah. noticed that before yeah it's you know to me I I really like any opportunity to do that I like any opportunity to like to like have the practical lights in the scene light the scene for two reasons number one I always think it looks cool it, and it gives you more versatility like you can put on a wider lens you can show more of the world mm-hmm. but it's it also allows you to move faster yeah yeah you know you know there's there's nothing worse than shutting down for an hour while they like yeah of course un- unhook the lights from the ceiling and move them around and you know it kills your momentum and kills, yeah, yeah it kills the whole flow of yeah everything. yeah I mean listen it helps when you're building spaceships and stuff that you can just design it however you want totally um, it's also not lost on me that like I mean I guess now that I'm now that I'm talking about it the 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 ceiling of the the ship early on. Is almost is probably identical, if not the actual same materials as the the weird time infinite loop thing that he's in at the end, the observatory thing. Uh-huh. It, it it may literally be that part of the way Kubrick's mind is is that we're going to start this movie and this will be the ceiling mm-hmm. and this movie and it'll be the floor mm-hmm. and it'll feel very like yeah um, uh, bookends of a story. Yep. Because he thinks in those kind of um, like avant-garde subconscious ways. Sure, so that's interesting. But. What do you? What does it communicate to the audience, in your opinion? The um, being able to show like ceilings and floors. Well, it, well, it gives geography. Mm-hmm. Um, um, like you know, movies have less and less geography these days. As people will complain that like. You know, you can't track what's happening. It's also close-up based, but it's you know, it's really uh, um, a, a it's a tempting little demon because you you know you're a filmmaker. You, you pay a lot of money to ha- have a, a big movie star come out. Mm-hmm. They're on your your set, and you put you know seventy five millimeter lens on, and you line them up, and they just look amazing, and yeah. they're giving this incredible performance. And so you want to be like this. And for those of you who are on a podcast. My <laughs> and listening and not in the room. My hands are on my forehead and on my chin. It's just like this is the world. Yeah. This is all you see. Yeah. And and it, it, it looks exciting and it looks intense and you really are like in there with them. It's intimate, but but you lose the geography of of the of the world. Right. You know. Right. And and it and I, that's a and b. I think that the. The rise of um, the, the the technical way where the, the technical process of us making um, these mm-hmm. uh, m- movies uh, has led to us uh, choosing less wide lenses because you, you get on uh, you have this like little monitor, this little clamshell monitor, and you look at it and you're like, oh, this feels pretty wide. They're they're really small in the screen, and and then you. You blow it up yeah. on, and you're like, oh, I guess it wasn't that wide. I yeah. guess this is kind of more of a medium wide 
Yes. You know, there's like a, a, you know, so, so a real understanding of, of lenses and, and perspective, which is, you know, it takes, takes time to develop all these things. Yeah, you know, for you sure. Got to shoot, go look at it in a room <laughs> and understand what you shot and up repeat over yes. and over and over again. Yes. Um, so is it, do you have any other notes about this that you want to discuss? Oh, here, let me whip out Let's my, do it. my Your collection device. of notes, my device. <laughs> Oh, something I noticed in the 4K print, which I've never noticed before, uh, is that the monkeys are never in focus. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've never, I've never noticed that, and I don't know if that's uh, just because of the limitations of their ability to focus in the, um, like on the day. Uh, if they maybe just had a, a bad first AC, uh, or if it was deliberate, or if they didn't feel confident with the makeup. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But they're but for in all, a lot of those shots, the monkeys were in focus, and I thought that was that was just interesting. That is interesting. Um, uh, I wrote that this might be the most confident movie of all time. <laughs> I don't disagree with that at all, actually. Oh, um, um, I found it to. There's a weird choice that the movie makes that jumped out to me that I had never noticed before. Okay. For like the first half of the movie, it is all music. It is a musical symphony. It starts with music. It, is, it leans heavily on music. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we get into what I would consider probably the most entertaining part of the movie where it's this struggle between Hal and David mm-hmm. and... And, you know, it's, it's you know, uh, uh, David's fighting to survive against a, a intelligent AI. Um, and suddenly there is no music. Mm-hmm. And for a very long time, music does nothing. And it was a really weird, it was a re- not weird. I mean, it was a really interesting choice. But the, but the music doesn't, you know, he's he's unplugging yes. Hal's brain and there's no music. Yeah. He's outside. There's no There's no music at all. Weird choice. What do you think that was? Um, I think that he made a choice to allow the. Uh, I think it was. A, I think it was part of the like empty abyss of mm-hmm. space and making it feel like that. And 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 a, you know a less confident director would have caved because they would have they would a composer would have come in and played some tense music and it would have felt good right. in the moment. Right. And they would have abandoned that thing that they were trying to do but he just had the confidence to not mm-hmm. bend to that and that's that's why we're still talking about him yeah um oh i made a note here uh that that i was surprised to see this uh there were a lot of tvs that were uh not exactly but in the in the like horizontal iphone yep aspect ratio yep <laughs> like you mean like like in the like like this no, or like you mean this. like this? Yeah, oh, ver- ver- vertical. That, that would be vertical. Yeah, yeah, the vertical aspect yeah. ratio. It's like like long up and down. And I was like, wow, that's a weird prediction that came true. Out of all their total, out of all the predictions they made that were totally wrong, like the the call boxes and stuff like right. that, the video call boxes and things like right. like the 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 vertical screens. Uh, yeah. Stood out yeah. There. That that is it is they were. Um, I wonder if somebody. I'm sure the internet has gone through and been like, "What's come true so far? What hasn't come true?" But I would also imagine that that changes 
every year. Yes. Every two years, every five years. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, yeah. But uh, so I um, give everybody an opportunity to uh, to add a movie because you know, like this is the AFI whatever, and mm. I mostly just use the AFI lists as, like, boundaries so people can know what we're talking about. Mm. Um, but the list is something that's always very contentious. Mm. So if you could add a movie to the list. If I could add a movie to the list. Wow. What would you, would you, and it can be, it can be a sci-fi, it can be a science fiction companion because we're talking about 2001, or it could just be a movie that you think is amazing that doesn't, that, that for whatever reason, AFI hasn't given it. Hasn't given. Well, I'll say something that is probably very, um, uh, uh, people will disagree with strongly. Okay. But I guess since we're talking about 2001, I believe I, I always felt that Interstellar was our generation's two thousand one. Uh huh. Deals with visually and thematically similar concepts mm-hmm. about space and the infinite, and, and taking a sci- sci-fi movie and then going into the metaphysical and the strange. Uh, um, uh, uh, I just got to the end of that movie and I was just speechless and I was like, wow, if I ever get to make a movie. That good, I can die happy. Um, um, so I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. I know different people have different feelings about the movie. It's a hotly contested topic. Mm-hmm. But, but when we're talking about 2001, I can't help but look at Interstellar because they feel like cousins. Sure. I will say that um, one of my favorite things that Christopher Nolan does is, um, in talking about confidence, is <laughs> when he goes, uh, you don't need to hear what they're saying. Yes. You know how like the internet loses its mind when they, you know, and he makes that choice often. Yes. He says, uh, and the internet goes, I couldn't understand a word that they were saying. And he goes, you don't need to. Yeah. And the internet hates that. Yeah. <laughs> they really don't like it. But it, this, these choices, the specifically, you know, because as I said, when we started talking, I, I'm not a huge Kubrick fan, but I do admire a big swing and yeah. I do admire a, this is what I did. Yeah. And this was my choice. Yeah. Because if it's an accident, then you go, that's frustrating. Yeah. But when it's intentional, I I really always am like, okay. Okay. That's, okay. that's what they want to do. Yeah. I find, you know, as I get, as I get further down my career and I learn more, you know, you learn every movie and, and you, you discover things and you start to see things in movies that you've never seen before. Right. Um, and one of the things that I've come to really respect and, and, and the filmmakers I, I admire the most, like a Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. or Stanley Kubrick, the thing that seems to unify them is that they, they choose, they often choose to do what is true to the scene irregard to what would feel right to a conventional, like, to a, like, what the producer would necessarily want to, I know that's such a, there's such a stigma that, but, like, you know, what, like, for, the the thing I keep going back to is the no sound in space, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because it's so safe for, and you would totally expect there's a producer on the movie to sit there and be like, wait, you really want to be silent out Mm -hmm. there? I mean, you don't want to hear anything, you don't want to hear boom, you don't want to hear an explode, Mm -hmm. like, to be silent in space is a big, bold swing, and you know he he was 
I, I imagine he was like, yeah, you don't hear anything in space. Mm -hmm. You don't hear anything in space. So, yes, it's silent in space. And in the same way, Christopher Nolan will do things like that where it's like, this is the way that it is, mm -hmm. and we're just going to lean into that. And, you know, someone would... I, you know, I, I don't mean to beat up on producers. Plenty of people in the in the universe and film reviewers and other people would be like, you know, it would have been great if they, you know, if they played music to tell me how I should feel at this moment, or right. if they did this, or you know, if if this was a, whatever it is. But making the choices to to favor story, I guess mm -hmm. it's it's this is a very directory kind of way of thinking but but like there really isn't like right choices or sure. wrong choices there's just like what is the what is the guiding force behind the answer to the question yeah yeah you know like someone goes hey do you want them to wear this or this and you know the the first time i made anything i was like oh i like that shirt more so that one and then as i've sort of grown I look at the two shirts and I say, well, that one feels more like a farm and that, you know, like, mm -hmm. or that one, uh, is, is more connected, you know, like, like what, what do we want to say about this character in this moment? Mm -hmm. You know, this character is wearing red. So if you're also wearing red, you feel connected in some way, or you want to wear a contrasting color, you're wearing blue. So that means you're, you know, like what are the, what, what is the choice, what is the choice mm -hmm. that will say the thing that, you know, most, um, that, you know, the, the, what can, how can you say the most with that decision right, or whatever, right. Absolutely. you know, um, yeah, anyways, those are very direct. No, that's kind of, good. It's that way sausage making, but Hey, I it's it's important for this conversation. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is a movie that It's a directory movie. Absolutely. It's a, it like like and listen, I I watched the movie and like, you know, the first half of the movie, there's a there's great sequences, a sequence where they walk down to the monolith and and they try to take a picture with it and it, it, you know, like th there's great sequences in the first half of the movie, but after intermission, the movie gets sweet. Yeah. The movie gets really awesome, and yeah. it's just you know, you know, one man versus this AI that already beat him in chess. Mm -hmm. You know, and and the, the the pieces are set in such a really cool way. It's very smart. I, like to me, there are parts of this movie that when I watch it, just excite the the, the director in me that I want to like. You know, they're just make me literally salivate. Mm -hmm. You know, man, the the yeah. There's some cool stuff in it. You know, it, it, it oh, one more note that mm -hmm. I, I kind of had is it wasn't lost on me that, you know, they shoot Hal as like this eye, right? They're always yes. cutting this close-up of yes. this eye that's always watching. And it's like this alien object in this human world. And then suddenly we're in Jupiter and in the infinite and he's in some like alien world. And the first shot of it is just his eye for mm -hmm. a long time, like as if he's now Hal in this, I don't know. There's yeah. so many sexy choices yeah. that he makes that, uh, yeah, I could, yeah, it's, it, a, it's a two and a half hour movie. And I think I could talk <laughs> five hours about for it. Just that long. <laughs> yeah. Well, before I let you go, oh, uh, yeah. I have to ask about, um, the, uh, the, the, the eyeball scene in your movie, mm. because it, we're, we're recording this on, uh, I think May 9th, uh, if I'm not, yeah, May 9th. So um, yesterday the eyeball scene hit the interwebs yeah. and everybody lost their GD minds. 
And uh, I, I got, I didn't comment, but I got looped into a conversation about The Strain. Do you remember The Strain, the TV show and those billboards that had the worm going into the eye? Oh, and yeah. people got so upset because eye trauma is like, if it's on a, they're like, not on a billboard, I can't. Yeah. And this, this was triggering a lot of people on the internet. Well, here's the thing I'll say, like, you know, like, the, the movie I made, right, Brightburn is a movie that you want to watch in a very packed theater on, like, opening weekend, right? You want to hear the audience. I, I, I It had been a long time. I, I just recently uh, got an opportunity to kind of screen it for the cast. Um, and then um, a bunch of Sony executives and stuff uh, came in, and we all watched it together. And the, the audience made a lot of sounds okay <laughs> and and i and i just realized like man it's so fun to you know i have a, a a very vivid memory of watching like like the strangers in a theater and hearing the audience just evoke all kinds of sounds yes. throughout the and this is you know very much one of those movies that you really hear the audience react mm -hmm. you know um, and it's a fun, it's fun, you know, it's, 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 it really is like a shared experience that you go through with a, with an audience. I, I listen, I, you know, I, I, I aim to make a movie that, that disturbed you. Mm -hmm. And I guess. I guess, you know, we showed one scene and I guess it, it worked. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, especially if you see that scene and you're like, oh man, this movie's crazy. This is cool. I think you'll like the movie. Okay. If you see that scene and you're like, I hate this so much, your friend should take you to the movie and force you to watch. <laughs> Because they will have a really good time. Yeah, watching you squirm, squirm yeah. around. Yeah. Um, if you could classify it, because lots been made about the um, the superhero element of it. Yeah. Um, at least from what we see, um, if you could classify it in a genre or two, what would you say? Well, people are calling it superhero horror. Right. It is, it, it, and it is superhero horror, right? It, it's a horror movie. It, it, you know, it is, it is, a, it, it is a superhero origin story told completely through the horror lens. But it is a horror movie, and and when we decided to make a horror movie, a superhero horror movie, the thing that was going to make it distinct is okay. So we have never seen superpowers used against people in this way, and so so what you're signing up for mm -hmm. is that conversation you had on a playground one day, where you're like, yeah, well, if if uh, Batman and Freddy Krueger got into a fight, who would win, <laughs> or if you know, Chun-Li and, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like whatever it is, like, like that is the, the, the movie that you are going to see and you're going to see, you know, the destructive power of super, superpowers and, uh, um, in, in, in a, in a, you know, visceral, real terrifying way. But, but listen, the movie is like, you know, it, it isn't shock cinema. It's like, sure. you know, it, 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 it is a fun, playful, like, like scary Throw your popcorn in the air, <laughs> punch the person who brought you kind of a movie, you know? Yeah. Um, um, and uh, I, I'm really excited that I got I made the movie because watching it with people, like like bringing my friends in and watching mm -hmm. it with them is, is something I've been looking forward to for like two years. And it's coming soon. None of them have seen it yet, so... 
That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. But but uh, yeah, I would I, I would say it is a it is a super it is truly a superhero horror movie. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's interesting seeing the way people react to it because they're like, people come out of the movie and and it it is unsettling mm -hmm. because you're so conditioned that that someone's going to be given these great powers and they're just going to use it for good all the time right. and there will be no victims ever of it and <laughs> every, everything's going to work out and <laughs> and they'll just be altruistic and never have to make a hard choice or anything and 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 you know that's just not the world I live in yeah yeah, I'm so excited. I will tell you that I, uh, after that first look, uh, I was like sold. Okay, and I haven't, I haven't even watched the eyeball scene. Not because I'm afraid, but because I'm like, nope. I just want to go in. That's th that's the thing, you know. It's it's there's always a struggle with marketing a movie, right? Because you want people to know about the movie, be excited to go see it. No one knows who the hell I am. No one knows if I'll make a movie they'll like or not, right? So you, what you have to do is you have to show them cool stuff right. in the movie. Be like, I understand what this movie is. I like this. I want to go see it. But at the same time, there's been nothing better than watching this movie with an audience who has no idea that that's coming yeah. and hearing the sound of 300 people at the same time <laughs> watching this for the first time. It is uh, it is a interesting noise. I love it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, you know, it sort it sort of is what it is. But I, I would say if if you're the kind of person who is definitely in in on this movie, then don't watch scenes yeah. and extent like you're doing. Like you don't need to watch it. Go watch it in a theater with a bunch of people, experience it together. If you're not sold on the movie, then maybe watch this scene or you know, watch you know, watch whatever gets released. I don't know what they're you know. Sure. But but uh and and perhaps that'll convince you one way or the other. I love it. Well, I'm on board. Memorial Day weekend. Thank you. Can't wait. So excited. You've got places to go, people to see, right at one hour. Perfect. Boom. We did it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Alrighty, friends, that's going to do it for me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, um, and I hope you are excited for Brightburn. Uh, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I am definitely going to be there in a packed house uh, opening weekend because, as Dave said, I want to hear the sounds. I want to see and feel and hear people reacting to this horror superhero movie. I cannot wait. Um, and uh, we have coming to Patreon this Thursday for $5 and higher monthly contributors, uh, there is going to be an AMA mini. So please, if you haven't already, head on over to uh, patreon.com slash Clark Wolf and you can leave your questions there and I will answer them in the mini. Um, lots more to come, lots of interesting guests on their way. And uh, thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Don't miss Bright Burn in theaters in the US, May 24th, 2019. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.